Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice in verse 13, he performs great signs, great miracles, this false prophet, so that even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. These signs are miracles. You know, just because there's a miracle doesn't mean that the source is from God. Remember when Moses was standing before Pharaoh and he threw down his rod and it became a snake. While the magicians, those who were dabbling in the dark arts, were able to do the very same thing. So don't be surprised if the devil can do miracles too. God allows him a certain amount of latitude to do those things. Welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study of the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth. The beast rising from the earth is essentially a satanic prophet who leads the world to worship the beast from the sea and the dragon. It may seem wild to some that the world will be led into worship of a man and the devil. But by nature, men have an undeniable religious impulse, and they also have an undeniable rebellion against God. What men want most is not the elimination of religion, but their own religion. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. We've dealt with this being, this devil, for a couple thousand years, and I'm looking forward to the day when he is cast into the lake of fire, no longer to wreak havoc on a population, upon God's people, upon people, period. Satan has always desired to be worshipped. You recall, and we looked at this last week in Isaiah chapter 14, as Isaiah is talking to the king, he actually, in, in verse 12, begins to talk about the power behind the throne, the power behind the king of Tyre, I believe it was. And notice what he says, and this is the heart of Satan. What, what is his boast? It begins in verse 13. God speaking says, Satan, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And I love what it says. God says, oh, is that true? Verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to Sheol, which is hell, in your King James to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who will see you will gaze at you and consider, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house, but you are cast out of the grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who are slain, thrust through with the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a corpse, trodden underfoot. Good grief, the Lord is pronouncing judgment 
upon this being. And it's certain, it's sure, it's going to happen. Satan has always desired worship. And just as this false prophet is going to give worship to the, fall, or to the uh, Antichrist, the beast, the first beast, he even tried to get Jesus, Satan tried to get Jesus to worship him. We looked at this last week too, but it, 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 it's good for us to look at this again. The devil takes him up into a high mountain and tells him, all these things, you know, all the, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world somehow. All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And nothing has really changed. His desire for worship is so great. And even if he gets it just for a short period of time, it suffices him. Can you imagine a character like that? Have you been around somebody who wants something so bad? They'll sacrifice anything and everything, even if they only have it for one moment. That is who he is. That's the mind. That's, and make no mistake, he's a very powerful individual. Very powerful. And he's a genius. He's a musician. Ezekiel 28 tells us that he was created with tablets and pipes. They were embedded in his very character, and somehow he was bringing worship before God, maybe receiving it from all of the angelic realm and then offering it before the Lord until pride was so in his heart that he wanted to receive worship. Can you imagine? I'm tired of bringing worship before God. I want to be worshipped. I deserve something out of this. And that's when he got into trouble. That's when he got into trouble. But he causes this second beast, this false prophet, causes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast. And here is the one world religion that is going to be attempted and will at least succeed for a short time. And there has been and will continue to be a push to unite all the world's religions together. It's called ecumenism. It's called bringing everything together, putting it all under one umbrella. Everybody's happy. Aren't you glad? Let's have a a potluck. But the problem is, is you can't unite something that's really not truly united. If, you, if, if there are elements that don't worship Jesus as God, there is no way that you can add a, an entity to that and say we're all united. It just doesn't work. The Christian church is the only one, like we here, are united in Christ. For those out in the fellowship hall, for those who are online, we are united. The church in America, the church in other parts of the world, we are united because we have one king, Jesus Christ, who we worship and adore and is our savior. Only through him are we united. No other way. There's no, nothing else. We're not, re, we're not united by any other thing but the blood of Christ. That is it. But there will always be a push to unite the world religions together. Do you remember in 1971, John Lennon wrote a song called Imagine. Let me read the lyrics to you. Imagine there's no countries. Isn't it, it isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say, I'm a dreamer. But I'm not the only one. I hope someday, listen to this, sorry I put the levity in there and it destroyed, the, the <laughs> destroyed exactly what I was trying to do here. Notice the one world in this song, and this is 1971, but you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions, no possessions. Imagine socialism where everything is just, nobody really owns anything. The government takes care of us. I wonder if you can, he says. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Sounds so palatable. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. 
I don't know his heart, but I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, this is exactly what the world wants. One world government. Or having no government. But regardless, see, the thing is, is if you have no religion, no government, you have a religion. Do you realize that? The absence of all those things is really what they want. And ultimately what they will get. Unfortunately, this John Lennon was the first one who made the remark, um, speaking of the Beatles in a March 1966 interview, in which he argued that the public were more infatuated with the band than with Jesus, and that Christian faith was declining to the extent that it might be outlasted by rock music. And unfortunately, he met his end. I'm not excited about that. But he's just another example of those who have pointed their finger at Christ and says, we don't need you. And the Lord just says, okay. The word of God abides forever. Everything else, not so much. Notice in verse 13, he performs great signs, great miracles, this false prophet, so that even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. These signs are miracles. You know, just because there's a miracle doesn't mean that the source is from God. Remember when Moses was standing before Pharaoh and he threw down his rod and it became a snake. While the magicians, those who were dabbling in the dark arts, were able to do the very same thing. So don't be surprised if the devil can do miracles too. God allows him a certain amount of latitude to do those things. But you have to look at the message behind that miracle, because miracles were there to verify something that was spoken of. In the Bible, in the prophets, whenever there was a miracle, it was to verify the message. It was to verify the character of God himself, and thus the miracle was to do that. Okay? And that's important to remember. But these same kinds of miracles, bring, you know, calling down fire from heaven, we know that in the Old Testament we saw that with Elijah. When he defeated the 450 prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18, we also saw it when God judged, when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19, or when God sent fire from heaven to consume Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10. And these, this Calling down fire at this time is going to deceive all of those on the earth at that time. Can you imagine a bright, clear blue sky, and he's out there, and he's saying, I am the Messiah. I, I serve with the Messiah, and I'll prove it to you. There's not a cloud in the sky. You can see all the constellations. Now watch this. And he raises his hands, and a firebolt comes down from heaven out of a clear sky. Do you think the world's going to be like, Dig deep in your pockets, write that check. I support you. These signs will falsely validate his power and authority, and they will deceive most. And the devil and his angels that, he rep- that represent him, they know the scriptures. They know Malachi 4, verse 5, where God says, Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he might even call down fire and feign to be Elijah the prophet, even though the two... Witnesses, if you remember, they, they, one of those is probably going to be Elijah, we believe, at the, around this same time. But this guy is going to do the same thing, and people are going to go, I wonder who is real. Well, those guys, they died, and then they went up to heaven or went up somewhere. They were taken away, but this guy's still here. He must be the one, because he's still here. He's right here before us. And they will believe that perhaps this false prophet will be the one. There will be great deception. In Second Thessalonians, what does it say? 
Paul speaking to them says, Do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains the Spirit of God in you and I in the Christian church, he will restrain and do so until he is taken out of the way. When we are raptured, then the floodgates are going to open. And notice verse 8, And then the lawless one, then the lawless one, who we call the first beast, the Antichrist, he will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume. And when we get to chapter 19, you're going to see it. He is going to consume, the Lord is, with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Notice, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, notice, this is a scary part about this whole thing. This is the what, what just kills me. When people say, I'll just wait for the, the rapture and I'll hang out in the tribulation. Well, look at this. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. What is that lie? Maybe the Antichrist and the false prophet. Maybe that is the lie. That people are being deceived. That all may be condemned who do not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And see, God... In Deuteronomy chapter 13, we don't have time to go there today, but I would encourage you just to read the first five verses of Deuteronomy 13 because God gave to Moses the telltale signs of a false prophet. The bottom line is this. If he says something's going to come to pass and it doesn't come to pass, God says, I didn't send him. But if he does come to pass, and God will even allow something to come to pass to test them, and he says this this in this chapter in Deuteronomy 13, He says, I might allow that false prophet for something to come to pass to see whether you're going to follow this man, this speaker who is leading you to do things that you know are wrong. Because you have to look at the character of the man and what he's saying. If his life doesn't match up with what he's saying, you've got a disparity you've got to deal with. Right? But he tells us who these things are. Notice, he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted. Notice, again, he was granted. He's not, uh, he's not loose. He, he's not like a, a, a wild animal that can just run through the earth of his own volition. No, he is granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he was granted, again, power. He was granted to give power, to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the beast, the image of the beast, to be killed. So here is a one-world religion right in Jerusalem. You bow down or you die. That is going to be the bottom line. And and it it will get to that point. It's going to happen in stages. And it's going to happen out of fear. It's going to happen out of coercion financially. Pretty soon, everyone's going to be in the same little unholy huddled together, and they are going to have to face this, and it's going to be very, very real. I want to show you something, and this is an article that was uh, published on April 14th of 2019. The article of, uh, the name of the article is Playing God, Japan Temple Puts Faith in Robot Priest. And let me read to you what it says about this robot. And this is actually in Japan right now in a temple. I'll tell you about it. It says, this robot will never die. It will just keep updating itself and evolving. And this is the priest Tensha Goto. 
It says a 400-year-old temple in Japan is attempting to hotwire interest in Buddhism with a robotic priest it believes will change the face of the religion, despite critics comparing the android to Frankenstein's monster. The android, his name is Canon, based on the Buddhist deity of mercy, preaches sermons at the Kodaji Temple in Kyoto, and its human colleagues predict that with artificial intelligence, it could one day acquire unlimited wisdom. Quote, Tensho Goto, the priest, said this, This robot will never die. It will just keep updating and evolving. And he says that's the beauty of a robot. It can store knowledge and forever I can store knowledge forever and limitlessly. Speaking of what it's made of, it says, The wiring and the blinking lights fill the cranial cavity of its open top head and snake around its gender-neutral aluminum body. Okay? You can, you can visit this if you like. You can go to Kyoto and you can visit this thing and, and they're all excited about it. The priest said this, he says, young people probably won't think a temple, or I'm sorry, young people probably think a temple is a place for funerals or weddings, he said, trying to explain the disconnect with religion. He says, it might be difficult to relate to fuddy-duddy priests like me, but hopefully the robot is a fun way to bridge that gap. We want people to see the robot and think about the essence of Buddhism. One person who went to this made this comment, I felt a warmth you wouldn't feel from a regular machine, said one of those who, one of those observers. And then the priest goes on and he denies accusations that Kodaji, recently visited by French President Emmanuel Macron, is guilty of sacrilege. Evidently, Emmanuel Macron visited this temple and this thing. And you know what? I, I, it's fruitless to try and call out who might be a antichrist or even the antichrist. But you know, keep an eye on Emmanuel Macron because he is a very, uh, very young man. He's a very, uh, uh, he's very uh, assertive, and he desires to be the ruler of the European Union. I don't know if you knew that. There's articles out there where he—that's his desire. He would love to be named that, and he's probably grooming himself to. So who knows? Uh, it doesn't really matter. We're going to be out of here anyway. I don't care who it is. Because we're, we're going to be out of here. But notice what else. It says, he goes on, he says, But Buddhist faith isn't about believing in God. It's about following Buddha's path. So it doesn't matter whether it is presented by a machine, a scrap of iron, or a tree. The temple insists the deity of mercy is able to transform itself at will and that an android is merely the latest incarnation. And it finally finishes and says, Artificial intelligence has developed to such an extent we thought it logical for the Buddha to transform into a robot, said Goto. We hope it will touch people's hearts and minds. There it is. The remnants of it, the, 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 the foundation of it is already there. And I've got this. You can look at it yourself. I've got the article. You know, text me or write or email. I'll send it to you. You can look at it for yourself. You can read the whole article. It's pretty interesting. But notice, he causes as many that would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And I believe there was a trial run like this in the history of Israel when they were captive in Babylon. You remember the devil had put into the heart of Nebuchadnezzar to demand worship for a a gold image that he had set up in the plain of Dura. And Daniel 3 tells us about that. And we're not going to take the time to look at that because I want to get to something else here. But it was a forced worship, if you remember. They they were told that they had to worship this, this, this image that Nebuchadnezzar had made of gold. And if they didn't, they would be put to death. That was the deal during the time of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. 
Is it any shock that it's going to happen again? That was just a trial run. History is like, a lot like that. I think we're living in that right now. A trial run. See how things go. Verse 16, it says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive the mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. You know, uh, J. Vernon McGee said, In John's day, in John the Apostle's day, soldiers were branded by their commanders. Slaves were branded by their masters. And those attached to certain pagan temples were branded by the mark of the god or goddess whom they served. And so when people receive this mark, the mark of the beast, uh, they, they will be basically a slave to that master. They will basically be a slave to that master. And uh, J. Vernon McGee said this is really interesting. He says, there was a newspaper columnist who wrote an article entitled Living by the Numbers, and he deplored the fact that we have to carry so many different cards in our wallets and concluded with this paragraph, and here I quote, it would simplify matters if the government would assign each of us a single all-purpose number which we could have tattooed across the forehead to spare us the trouble of carrying all these cards. And young people, they love tattoos. And the devil loves it that you love tattoos. Now, if you have a tattoo, does that mean you're going to be damned to hell? No. No, but what I will tell you is that it's desensitizing you to receiving a mark on your body. And there will come a time where you won't even have a problem with it. It's, it's happening. I mean, it's a cool thing. It's hip, right, to get a tattoo. I even got a tattoo of Pastor Richard on my arm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> where is he? he? He must have left, so it's probably why I'm still alive. Um, but tattoos are the in thing, and... Um, uh, it's another way that our culture is being t- desensitized. And there's going to come a time when people will, will receive this mark to buy or sell. And the young generation will be the first ones in line because they will be the most progressive, the most uneducated in these things. And they will gladly stand in line and everyone else will follow suit. And I believe that is why God forbids marks on flesh for any reason. In Leviticus chapter 19, what did God say to the Israelites? And even though this was for Israel, I also believe it's for us too. He says, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. God knows that a tattoo usually symbolizes ownership of somebody else upon you. He wants to be the owner of you. He created you. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. Doesn't he deserve to be the owner of you? Isn't he your master? Isn't he your savior? I know this is heavy, folks, and, you know, hang in there because, you know, these things we have to discuss. It's right here in the scripture. And unfortunately, it's happening right before our eyes. Notice that he's going to cause all, small and great, to receive in their right hand or on their foreheads. It's interesting that the right hand, because that's the right, the hand that's associated with strength and power. Not the left hand, but the right hand. That's why when it speaks of the right hand, it speaks of strength. And I think it's interesting that the very first and the very last seven judgments that God brings upon the earth that we'll look at here shortly in a few weeks. In chapter 16 of Revelation, it talks about these seven bulls, final judgments of God upon the earth. The very first bull says this, Loathsome sores, it says, So the first went out, the first angel, and he poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. You know, 25 years ago, this technology didn't even exist. Seriously. The technology that we have today did not exist 25 years ago. 
We've all gotten so used to our cell phones and making payments, and it's very convenient. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right now, it's really convenient, honestly. But due to security and even greater convenience, and because we are slowly getting comfortable with this electronic payment system, the Antichrist will ultimately use this to his advantage when he comes on the scene. And Apple Pay and Google Pay and Square and all these uh, digital payment systems are just the beginning. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.